Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 11 of the Yacking Podcast. We talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world. As always, we have interesting guests for you, and we have another really interesting guest today. And before I introduce her, I'm just going to let Kathleen say hello quickly. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Peter. Hello, Nancy, and welcome, everyone. Great to for you to be with us today. Good. Nice to see you again, Kathleen. And our guest today is Nancy Lou Henderson, a very interesting lady from Texas. She is a writer, a blogger, an author. And I have known Nancy online for two or three years. We support one another and follow one another on various social media platforms. She is far better at it than I am. And she is a prolific writer. So welcome, Nancy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Hello, Peter and Kathleen. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am from Sweeney, Texas. I was born in a little town called Heiko, Texas. And I currently live about uh, 30 miles from the Gulf Coast. I've lived here about 37 years now. So uh, uh, I am one of these people who you will see wearing pearls and lace and coveralls. I do anything and everything. I can crochet, I paint, I, I uh, knit, I do a tat, which is something that is, is nobody does anymore, quilt. And I also plumb and roof and weed eat and mow the grass. Um, my, I was fortunate. My husband taught me how to do everything. We did everything together. So uh, uh, that's basically who I am. I am a. I was a sister of four. Uh, of I have four brothers. I was the only girl next to the oldest, and I was a wife, a mother of one son. We only have one son, and I am a grandmother and a great grandmother. Wow. So, <laughs> Nancy, you've built, you've built quite a career for yourself in writing. And um, I've had the pleasure of reading some of the stories that you've posted on your website. And you've written a book. It's, it's amazing to me. So can you tell our listeners and viewers how you got started? How, how did this all start with your writing? Uh, actually, I never planned on being an author. I think the reason I'm an author is actually greater than, than that I'm an author. Uh, I make sure that people know that. Um, I actually started uh, in 2015. Uh, I was, had been mowing and doing things, and I was hot and tired. And at that time, my husband had been deceased for 18 years, and we were soulmates. Uh, I'm a forever widow, which means that uh, our love goes on through eternity and and it's not till death do you part it's till i get there anyway uh and then we're not parting ever <laughs> but uh, uh i was upset and and i had a little uh prayer holler match with god about what was going on i i thought what do i need to do to get to him you know is there a purpose to what i'm doing i'm tired of just you know, cleaning house and doing the weeding and doing the yard. I was had been retired about five years. I said, I, I need to know, you know. And, um, of course, it ended up with me crying and telling him I wasn't really mad at him. But uh, when I went to bed that night, I had a dream. 
And in that dream, uh, my husband came to me and told me to look in the cedar chest. And uh, we have a cedar chest in the house. It's in another room. And uh, actually, it holds everything. Satchels with stuff from the funeral home and all of his little mementos, his jewelry, things like that, are in that cedar chest. And, and that kind of ticked me off just a little bit. And then I uh, looked up and I said, you know, Dimples, you want to look in that cedar chest, you go flying on in there because that's, you know, that's all up to you because I know what's in it. Well, I laid back down to go to sleep. And uh, then I set up because I recalled that we had another cedar chest, but it was out in a shed in the backyard. And it's about a 10 by 15 shed that's floored. I had moved it out there after he had died because it was very heavy and I couldn't hardly move it. And I thought, what is in this cedar chest? You know, I, I when did I last put anything in there? You know, we'd moved it around all of our life, you know, but as to what was in it, I had no idea. So I had to wait till the sun came up because there's no light out there. So I made coffee and set and I tried and I could not remember what was in there. So it's first light, I go running out there. I'm opening the door and throwing stuff that my kids have stored off the top of it and uh, finally opened it. And I noticed that there were some even rice bags that were still intact from when we married. And this was 2015, we married in 1968. And then I noticed a box on the uh, right-hand side and I opened it and I could see letters and I thought, what is this? So I go and put the lid back on and I come running into the room that I'm in now and I opened the box and I looked and I noticed the addresses and everything. And it was, these were letters from Frank when he was in Vietnam and they, I had about 150 of them. There are even some from before we married when he was in basic training. And uh, which I should explain to you, we, we actually had our first date then in November. We got engaged in February and we married in May after mm -hmm. he got back from basic camp. Our first date, he walked me to the door. He kissed me goodnight. And he says, I love you. I'm going to marry you. And I said, I know. We were wow. perfect soulmates. Wow. And we knew it. You know, uh, so uh, anyhow, uh, I started reading these letters and I, I'm laughing and crying because instead of a young woman reading those letters terrified, and, and trying to help him through the depressions and different things. He was going through so many different, uh, he'd be upset, he'd be depressed, and he would actually talk to me in these letters. And, and when he did, you could see the writing change and you could see him writing better and better until when he told me he loved me, his writing was beautiful. But you could see, that's the beauty of a handwritten letter, which I, <laughs> I don't know if you know, that's something you don't get in text. And you can feel the emotions coming off the page. When I actually wrote those into the book, I typed them. But when I put them from the type to the computer, I had to get out the letters themselves and hold them up and retype from them to get the emotion of what I needed to put between the letters. Anyway, so 
we're back to letters. And I thought, wow, you know, and, and uh, of course, reading them at 65, knowing he made it home was entirely different. But I noticed the beauty of what he was saying and everything. He talks to you like you're in the room with him in these letters. Mm. You know, even to the point of, oh, i got to get that mosquito, uh, you know, just a minute, you know, or something like that. And uh, so I was putting the last letter in, and I noticed the letter was underneath all of them. And I pulled it out, and it they were under fire. He, he was trying to make light of it like it's no big deal, you know, and he was – Army intelligence. So he was in a, uh, a room when they were using what they, you know, uh, called a mill to type on. And he said, I have to get off of here and, and write. Uh, I can't get any feeling it, writing to you on this mill typing. So uh, he realized the importance of the handwritten letter also. So he started writing and he said, What I need you to know is our love was like wine, it's like a new wine. But once it's been aged and tested over and over, it becomes a fine wine. And now it's the greatest thing God has ever created. And he says, nothing can keep us apart, not even death. That was the message. That's why that letter was underneath. That was his message to me is, I'm with you, Nancy. I'm here. Don't worry about how old you are, what you're doing. I'm always here. And so I realized that was a message from him. And then I also realized the, the importance of the letters. And I thought, oh, wow. So I'll type these up and put them in a thing for my grandkids. And as I started typing the letters, stories came to me of our life together. And they came so quickly, I could barely type them. And it's like 40 or 60 stories of us together doing silly things and everything. And I realized at that time that there was, God had a purpose. And all of it, and it had to do with marriage, and it had to do with commitment, unselfishness, uh, even, you know, su uh, suffering through being separated. It, it had to do with so many things. We had trouble having a child. That's all in there. I know how people feel. I know, you know, and, and it's, I didn't leave anything out. His letters are not allowed to be edited whatsoever. I don't mess with that. Um, I, he has messages in his letters and that they need to come out too. He was also a man who could tell me how much he loved me. He wasn't, that didn't hurt his manhood. He even talks about that in a letter. I used to think that it was so unmanly for a man to tell a woman how much he loved her because she would think him weak. He said, but I realize now that you love me even more because I can do that. And so he has messages to men out there too. Don't be afraid of them. If you love someone, tell them. Anyhow, so it ended up that um, I put some of the, all of the excerpts of letters and stories up on, on Facebook. And then I ended up having people sent by God to me because who I didn't look for an editor. I didn't look for someone to help me with a the website. They were sent to me. Chuck was sent to me. Tony was sent to me. And I see people out there, I don't know how to find an editor. I don't know how to do that. And actually Tony is a uh, publisher editor and has his own publishing company, but he didn't do that. He let me self publish. He just sets up the book and edits, 
you know, what, what he can and everything. And uh, then, you know, he, he does that for a very modest fee for me. It's unbelievable. I even told him, I said, Tony. And he said, no, no. He likes the story. But, you know, when God keeps sending people. Sure. Oh, you, know, you know. Nancy, mm -hmm. you said um, that um, when you asked the question about your purpose in life and that night you had a dream and your husband came to you in that dream. Was this a natural occurrence, a common occurrence for him to come to you in your dreams? And was there always a message? Yes. Oh. Yes. I, uh, Any time I was upset about something or worried about something, and uh, he knew me so well. He, and he knew I was very private. I would not share emotions. And you'll, you'll find that out. I had to, in writing the books, when I'm talking uh, in the letters, someone came to me on um, a PM. He said, you're not letting us know how you were feeling during that time. And uh, I realized that that was still so very private to me how, uh, I mean, I was an emotional wreck. Get up, go to work come home, cry, you know, maybe eat, go, go in and write a letter, cry again, grab his shirt from the thing and, and go, you know, and Frank realized that that's one reason I was set up in a home by myself before he left. We shared that for 45 days. He wanted to be able to see me there and realize, and us to have spent time there together before he went to Vietnam. But, uh, Anyway, it's um, uh, he, he has come to me in other dreams. If I'm upset, he'll jump on a bed or do something silly. You know, it's um, he he's wind chimes. He has a wind chime. He lets that go. And uh, the first time he did it, I thought, wow, you know, and uh, I went over there to it because I was upset and I was sitting there, you know, I was tired and uh, I, I keep our yard because he loved the yard and he, you would see him just looking at it afterwards. And, and, uh, we did it together a lot. But anyway, I'd go over there and stop it and thinking it was a bug. And I sat back down, it started again, you know, and my grandson witnessed this as he came up, it was ringing and it drew attention from him to it. And he goes and stops it. And then he tells me, you know, that's weird, Mimi. And I told him, I said, that's just your papa. But he has seen him. He has actually seen him in his house. Um, they were very close. And he saw, he walked into his kitchen when he was, he told me about it when he was seven. He said, papa came to our house. And I said, he did. And he said, yes. He said, I walked into my kitchen and he was there making a bologna sandwich. And he said, boy, do you, do you want a bologna sandwich? And anyway, he said, then he disappeared. But the the first time he did this, and I'm going to tell you this story because it's very special. Frank died on January the 30th. Matthew's birthday to be, uh, I think he was going to be five, was January the 31st. We came home. We did not tell him because when they tried to tell him at the hospital, he went berserk and tore up things. They were like very close. Very, very close. He followed him around. They lived in our, this apartment right here I'm in is now a gamer. They lived right here in our backyard, you know, it's their backyard. So uh, anyway, no one was to tell him. We went home. 
had a birthday party that day, that night at, at a restaurant. Everybody is trying to, you know, be lighthearted about it. We're all in grief, but we don't want Matthew's birthday to be associated with his death. You know, that's important to us. And so we, I had, Frank had ordered him a bicycle. So uh, we went over to Frank's folks afterwards, even my parents, everybody went there. And uh, we were, get, I, I said, well, Matthew, there's some, a surprise for you from Papa and I out in the garage. And we went out there and uh, we got it out. And he says, I can't ride it. Papa's not here. And he took it back into the garage and then he came back out and he said, Papa says it's okay to ride it. Wow. And so we, you know, uh, he's not the only one. I have grandkids that didn't know him that went directly to his picture and said, Papa. So he got to hold them before I did. It really, (laughs) but you know, they are there. Um, um, He's always been around me. I've always felt him and he's done some unusual things, but it's, it's usually if I'm upset about something, you know, that he lets me know, you know, but I, I, another thing, this, this one will be even different. A girlfriend of mine's husband died and uh, I saw her at a doctor's office and she, she had been reading the stuff online that I put. And she says, I wish my husband would come to me like that. And I said, he will just, you know, you have to be still and recognize what's happening and, and realize that that's them and they're trying to let you know they're there. And anyway, so we departed ways that day and, and uh, about a month later, she got seriously ill and uh, she was dying. And we, before she left though, we talked about, and I said, you know, I told her about the wind chime and she says, Maybe I need to get a wind chime. I said, yeah, that'd be cool. I said, you get one, and I've got one in my bedroom that's just decorative. And I said, then if one of us dies before the other one, we'll ring it. And she said, yeah, that'd be cool. We can test this out, you know. Anyway, I had no idea she was going to get ill. She went in for uh, just a simple surgery and ended up that they she lost both legs and she was dying. Wow. And uh, they cut the aorta some kind of way. It was a back surgery. And then I saw where she was, you know, they were the next day they were, were thinking about taking her off machines and they were moving her to another uh, a home to do that somewhere. I don't know in Houston. And uh, so that night I went to bed and in the middle of the night, that stationary wind chime in my bedroom, it was bouncing up and down. Wow. And I thought, what is this? <laughs> and I knew immediately it was her. Yeah. And I went to, but not only did she do that to me, I went and found out she had died the next morning during the night. But a friend of hers was on there and said, how could that be? I got a, a, an email from her this morning telling me how much she loved, loved me. So they can do things. And, and I knew at that time, I thought that thing never rings. It was just bouncing. And, yeah. and, uh, wow. uh, but you know, they're around us. They're right there. Uh, they can do things. Sometimes it takes some of them a while to figure out how to do it just like us, but God allows that. Uh, why wouldn't he, you know, sure. you think 
Yeah. Why would he not love us enough to let the ones that we love stay around us and protect us? Anyway, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kathleen had another question she wanted to ask you, Nancy. <clears throat> oh, I was just, um, you know, all the following, the, the following of people that you now have going to your website and reading your posts and your books and, and all the chapters in, in your books. How did you, how did, how did you gain all that following? Is, was it organically grown through family, friends, and then people sharing and or did you do a lot of work in social media to try to get more of a following? How did that, how did you grow that? Uh, once we got the website, uh, Chuck Bartok helped me with the website. And once we got set up there, because he was so interested in it and wanting to get these books out, we started sharing uh, chapters of the book on all medias. I, I was on Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram, um, Lincoln, LinkedIn, I always say that wrong, sorry, and Medium, uh, and I just started sharing it out there. Uh, and now I'm also on Booksy, which is a great uh, place for any author. It's mostly authors on there, but it gives you a good uh, place to to go and, and share your work also. Um, and, and I did, you know, a few boosted posts, um, to get it going, I shared at least two chapters of a book and a widow's blog. I also write humor, as you may know, I'm, I'm humor. And uh, so I would do that once a week. I was really pushing it out. And um, uh, actually that from April uh, of 2018 until, until uh, now, I have 85,000 people have been up there. But wow. I published three books last year, and they were all shared chapter by chapter. So uh, uh, the thing is, is you've got to get a Facebook page, not, not profile, but a page, and it should be an author page. And you don't just, I don't just share my chapters. I share a little bit about me. Uh, I, I, I'll go in there and, and say, hey, thank you, and, and go up there. Leave me a comment. I, I like your comments, you know, and the books are also sold up on the website. Um, they're also sold on uh, Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon. But the whole idea is to get readers to read what you have written, and with a God purpose, uh, you have to get it out there. And, and so the more I shared, the more people shared and the more people found out, I went into writers groups. I went into different, different areas there and started, uh, you know, they have share days and people started reading and it, and then other people shared my work. That's what we do for each other, you know, and family. Yeah. They were big involved in it, you know, uh, but you know, it's, uh, you want to get out of your your basic family group and get them interested in sharing too. Uh, I think that you have to work hard. I work every day. I was on that uh, uh, computer or, or on my phone, you know, going to Facebook, going to Twitter, uh, uh, sharing their stuff, you know. And I think to me, I, I was it was easier for me to to write a, a review of someone else's stuff than my own 
because it, it's just, I'm not used to talking about myself. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, this is the most I've talked about myself and I'm trying to push it to somebody else right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, you have to be a helper. You, you see authors who are critical and, and, and I can't get anyone up. Well, you know, really, you know, you wrote a book, you think you just sit there and watch it and look at it and it's going to go somewhere. No, no. Uh, and to me, it was all, it was fun. I was learning new things. Sure. And believe me, before I wrote this, got on this computer in 2018, I had never touched a computer in 10 years or more. I didn't even know what a URL was. I didn't know anything about anything. Wow. I worked as a pharmacy tech. We had a program. We went into that. That was it. My goodness. Very good. Wow, that's an incredible story, <laughs> Nancy. I have another question for you, and it's it's uh, really a pers of a personal nature. And I know that you've been a widow now for many, many years. And um, I have my dad that's currently in long-term care, who's in palliative care right now. And and. I look at my mom and, and the connection that they have. And so is there any words of wisdom that you can impart that I may be able to share with my mom? Because I think she will need that. You know, any, anything at all. Yes. I, I think it, the main thing I would tell her is it's okay to grieve. It's yeah. all, it's okay to cry. It's all, okay. Don't let people tell you, you can't just cry. I uh, took a different road. I owned a florist at the time. The act, Frank actually fell at that florist uh, and went into grand mal seizure. Uh, I had to go back to work and I worked. I worked and I worked and I worked. And my folks stayed here, uh, you know, uh, just for a month or more, you know, uh, trying to, uh, I didn't cry. I didn't cry at the funeral. Everybody was losing it. I could look at my son was had lost his dad. His his brother and sister had lost their oldest brother. My family thought of him. I had two brothers that were 10 and 12 when we married. They thought of him. He was our leader in both families. And his mom walks up to the casket and says, what happened to Scott, my son? She, she parents had lost their son, you know, uh, grandparents had lost their grandson. There was every kind of grief in the world. And I asked God, I said, please let me hold this together to get this done because I could see the grief. And I thought, you know, and my mom would come to touch me. I said, mom, you can't touch me. Not now, not now. You can't touch me, you know? And so I did not cry until Everybody left and I went in the closet and I grabbed his clothes and I screamed and I cried. That was the first night he touched me. I felt him touch me on the shoulder. And so I would tell your mom, <laughs> don't cry. <laughs> anyway, I would tell your mom, go ahead and grieve, but he is there. If she will just wait and you too, he's going to, he's going to come to you. You're going to feel it. And you're going to feel it. I think of my dad every once in a while, and I know he's right there by me. When you think of him, you know, uh, or when when you something you see and you think, oh gosh, that reminds me of dad. He's right there. He wants you to know that. 
And the same thing with your mom. He's going to be right there. And all she has to do is be still and know God allows that and not to feel like he's left her, but he's still there. He's just physically, she can't see him. There's another plane mm-hmm. and, and I call it heaven. I, I know there's a God. He's let me know that too many times. I know there's a God and I know there's a heaven and I know they're waiting for us there. They just can't be with us right now. They had their, they fulfilled their purpose. And we still have ours, so we have to go on. Wow. Thanks for that, Nancy. We're running out of time. Nancy, people who want to follow you or buy your book, what's the best way to get uh, in contact with you? Uh, You can go to nancyloohenderson.com, and there's a a, a link there. Uh, Navigate and and find that link there. You can go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon. All the books are up there, and they're also in they're in paperback and they're in ebooks. Uh, Smashwords has ebooks out there, and right now they're free. The ebooks are up on Smashwords, and I dropped the price down on uh, uh, Amazon on the okay. ebooks. Um, that uh, I think there's a button also on Nancy Lou Henderson. Uh, Arthur page on Facebook where you can click on that and it'll take you right up to the uh, website. Oh, that's great. And for our viewers, there'll be a caption underneath on your, on this video where you can pick up those contact details for Nancy. Nancy, it's, it's been a wonderful experience listening to you and, and it really is a wonderful story. I'm so glad our paths crossed on Twitter about three and a half years ago. I think it was, or three years ago. And, uh, we kept in touch and I've watched your, your meteoric rise as a published author and, <laughs> and you're, you're an inspiration for all of us who, who are trying to write. Any last words, Kathleen? I just want to thank you so much, Nancy. It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you and I look forward to reading more of your stories. So thank you for joining us today. And that's thank it you. for another episode of the Yacking Podcast with Peter and Kathleen and guest Nancy Lou Henderson.